I'm going to continue with um, growing in love. Uh, let's just pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to come together as your people and celebrate your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Celebrate our redemption through your sacrifice and worship you for it. Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving your son so that we may have life. And as we are here, we thank you also that you promised that you are here with us. And so we ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at um, the Apostle Peter's final letter, um, the, his urgency, and, and his final message really to us as church. And, and what he was saying, we specifically looked at what Paul was saying, Peter was saying that we need to add to our faith to grow in our maturity in following Christ. And so in 2 Peter, I just want to, as a point of reminder, read together again this one portion where he writes in 2 Peter 1 from verse 5, but, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence to add to your faith, virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ and so we were looking at these things that we need to add to our faith as we are growing and and then we and then we really stopped and, and focused on this last bit of love. And, and for those of you that were not here, um, we were just looking at what is this brotherly kindness and what is love. Because in Greek, it's two different words used for love. It's actually phileo and agape, that we need to add to brotherly love, agape, a godly love. And, and so we were exploring what this means. And, and so I want to continue with agape. What, what does it mean? How does it look like? And, and what does it say about God to us? And so um, as, we, as we consider these things, let us just ask the Lord also to reveal more of himself to us. You know, as I was studying this word and, and all the scriptures that, that mentioned agape, there, there was a number of aspects that really stood out to me afresh. Some of them old but, and, and others new. And, and I just want to briefly, before I get to this Sunday's message, just put it in context because all these things is, is an aspect of God's love. And, and ultimately, we cannot find... And our understanding of God's love in a dictionary or a Greek definition, ultimately it's found in scripture. It's, it's found in Jesus himself that really defines for us what this love really is. But, but one of the things that stood out for me that we see about love, when God says that we must add to brotherly love, agape, is that, that God is is love it is a powerful revelation of the character and nature of god god is holy but he's also love and and it's a defining aspect of who god is it is not just an an attribute of god it is not just a response from god it is who god is god is love it's very powerful and it's important for us to understand that that is god's nature god love not because of something from the outside. God loves because this is who he is. And th this is very important for us to help 
us to understand what grace is. God's love is not motivated by an outside um, experience. It's not motivated by emotion or what we have in common. His love is not motivated by that. It's motivated by who he is. And, and so he loves from a place of choice. That's one of the things that, that the definition of agape brings out very clearly. That unlike the other types of love that we spoke about, agape is not motivated by emotion or com what we have in common, but it is motivated by an, an act of the will. It is a choice to love. In 1 John 4 we read, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so it helps us to understand so many things about God. It helps us to understand grace. That, that, that God's grace is extended towards us not because we deserve it. Not because we are beautiful or lovely or do anything that deserves his love. But he extends it towards us, despite us. Uh, and, and that brings us to the second significant aspect of love is, like I mentioned, it, it is not driven like the other types of love by an outside emotion or common interest, but it is a choice. And, and we see that so clearly, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when, he, when he pleaded with the Father, my Father, my Father, if this is at all possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus' love for us that was demonstrated by dying on the cross was not from a place of emotion, but of a place of the will. He decided to die for us. And that's very powerful. Because it means my love is not dependent on my performance. His love for me is not dependent on my performance. It is dependent on His grace towards me. And it gives us great confidence that we don't need to be perfect before we are loved by God. God loves us while we were still sinners. He gave his son to save us. And, and, and these are all sermons on its own, but I just want to, I want to emphasize these aspects before I get to today's message. So bear with me for a moment. But what is powerful about this aspect of agape, not from emotion or interest, common interest, but from an act of the will, when God commands us to love each other, He is not appealing on our emotions. He is appealing on our will when He commands us to love one another. I'm not asking you to love because you feel like it or you have things in common or the people are nice. I'm commanding you to love because this is how I love you. And it, it's, it's very helpful for us to understand where God comes from. Love is a choice. Our emotions follow that choice. And, and I will preach on that some other time. But that brings us to another aspect of Agape love, that is not just emotional. It acts, it manifests, and it demonstrates itself. God's love is not just an emotional feeling. It manifests in action. 
God's love is, is love in action. It's not love in feeling. It's in action. In Romans 5 verse 8 we read, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 13 explains to us the action of love, how it actually looks like. And just like faith, faith without works is dead. So love without works is dead. It, 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 is, a, it is an action, not just an emotion. And we see that so clearly in how God demonstrates his own love towards us. That, that he sacrificed his own son. He acted on that love. One thing that stood out for me about Agape, and I want to pause there this morning, is the, the main understanding in Greek of Agape is charity. The main understanding of Agape is giving. And what does that mean? And what does that say about God? The ancients Philosophers thought that phileo, this brotherly love, this friendship love, this, this deep love that, that um, originates from a common interest with another, that bounds you to one another in friendship. The ancient philosophers thought that this is the ultimate type of love, where you love because of a common interest. It is the strongest type of love. It's not a family love. It's a friendship love. Um, that bounds you together. They thought this was the ultimate expression of love. But God says agape is. Charity is a greater love than brotherly love. A giving of yourself is a far greater love. John chapter 3 verse 16 we know so well. For God so loved the world that he... He gave. He gave his only begotten son. God says giving is a greater love than all the others. And God demonstrated to us so powerfully. Grace is giving even though we don't deserve it. That's God's love. It's a giving love, an act of the will. It made me think about our concept of giving. And I realized we haven't preached about giving in the past four years. We, we, we do believe in tithes and offerings and giving to the poor. But we don't preach it every Sunday. Not because we do not believe in it. It's... it's there's a different reason why as a church, and, and some people have asked me, what do we believe about tithes and offerings? Because we, we don't teach it. And the reason why is because we don't believe it's, it's the central message of the church. The central message of the church is the gospel. That's the central message. And, 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 and giving... And tithes and offerings and alms are, are fruit of the tree, but the tree is the gospel. And this is just a truth of the kingdom. It is not the truth of the kingdom. And therefore, we, we don't have a message every Sunday on giving. We have a, something else every Sunday, and we'll, we'll get to that. I grew up in, in, a, tradition, in a traditional church where, where the offering plates went through the pews 
every Sunday. And, and the elder would visit us once a month to give us the tithing envelope. And, and, then, and then I moved to a charismatic um, church where, where we had a message every Sunday. Before the sermon or before worship continued, somebody would teach on this truth of giving. And I was exposed to this and I, and I grew up in this and, and I gave my tithe with great joy to this very day. I'm grateful for that, what I was taught. And, and when I was a kid, my, my parents used to give me money to put in the offering plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our parents used to give us the money we put in the plate. And when I became a born-again Christian, I started to give out of my own substance with, with great joy because I understood the meaning and the principle behind it. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, I was thinking and talking to God about church and, and God's heart for church. Encounter 2 is actually all about that. It's, just, it's not about this church. It's actually about God's heart for the church. How does God see church? We don't actually speak about shofar or this congregation in Encounter 2. We simply speak about God's heart for church. And, and it's during this time also that, that the Lord challenged me about our own church traditions. What do we emphasize? And, and I thought at that time, and I realized maybe unintentionally, we have elevated tithing and offering as a central message of the church by preaching it every single Sunday. And so I've decided rather to use the time that we allocate for the tithing and the offering message, rather to take that time and to allocate it to something more central to the gospel. And that is communion. Communion is the most central thing or message of the church. It is the message of God's love, sacrifice, and redemption. And, and, and so therefore, every Sunday, we spend time doing communion together. Not that we don't believe in tithes and offerings, but we, we believe this is more central. And so we've moved away from that message. But it doesn't mean we don't believe in it. So we have decided to put our emphasis where we believe is most necessary. However, that said, it doesn't mean it isn't, giving is not part of the way of the kingdom and our worship to God and our expression of our love to him. And, and so this morning, I, I want to briefly share um, what do we believe about giving in the context of who God is, because God is agape. He is giving of himself. And what, what, what does it mean? How does it look like? And what does it say about God? Giving is, is part of who God is. And, and, and interestingly enough, giving was always part of worshiping God. Right from the beginning of creation, man's worship to God always involved giving. It always involved an offering, a sacrifice. Um, making an offering was always part of worshiping God. Right from the beginning of of time. And the reason we as a church believes in tithes and offerings and giving to the poor is because it is clearly seen and taught in the Word of God and an expression of His love towards us and our love towards Him. 
right from the beginning of man's worship to God, it included this concept of giving to God long before the Lord defined what giving is. And from Cain to Abel to Noah to Abram, giving was part of worship. And, and so we see here, and I, and I want to go to Cain and Abel, the first clear um, expression of worship to God and calling on to God. We, we find, interestingly enough, in Cain and Abel, the first sacrifice that was made was, of course, God. When, when man sinned and was naked, killed an animal to cover our nakedness. But the first response to God was found in Cain and Abel. And I want us to read together here in, in Genesis chapter 4 from verse 1 to 5. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was the keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. The one farmed with sheep, and the other one planted and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Cabel and his, Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And we know how the story continued. What is so interesting for me about this um, account of, of giving towards God is that it wasn't the giving of the offering that God accepted or rejected. It was the heart behind its giving. The heart of the person, the motivation for the giving. And, and, and it's interesting if we look at this account, what made it so significant? In, in man's history, and, and even why did God accept the one offering and rejected the other? It's very interesting that both of these offerings were, were given in acknowledgement of God's provision. That's why they gave of the, um, the harvest of their labor. The one was planting and the other one was standing sheep and, and and out of the produce that God provided they acknowledged and thanked God for what he had done and that's always been the central thought about an offering it was to acknowledge God as the source of the provision and to thank him for it and to ask God for his blessing and so here we see a difference in offerings the one most scholars believe Cain gave out of the leftovers of his harvest, whereas Abel gave the first fruit of his harvest, of his increase. Cain gave after he's collected everything and used what he needed and whatever was left, he presented to the Lord, and Abel gave the first fruit. In other words, the first lambs that came. This wasn't at the end of the lambing season. This was in the beginning of it. This is the best, the first that he got. There was no guarantee that more would come, but yet he came to God to thank him for what God is doing and still going to do. And so it was an act of faith acknowledging God, and the other was not. And God accepted the one offering and rejected the other. It's interesting, we see the same in, in Noah's life. When Noah stepped out of the ark, 
He gave of the few resources there were. Acknowledging God for saving, providing, and the promise of the future. And we see the same in Abram. We see Abram gave a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. He gave 10% of all the spoils that he just made after conquering six kings in acknowledgement that it was God that gave him the ability to gain the victory and the spoils that he had. And so it was again out of an act of acknowledging God that they gave. And these men gave long before the Lord defined what giving should look like. And God blessed them for doing so. Abram became the father of faith, setting a pattern for us to live in faith. And we still stand and walk in that pattern. He gave us an example. It's very interesting. A tithe was always central to the law that God gave to the Israelites. It was central that God gave them this concept of giving to acknowledge God, but also to put their trust in him, not in their wealth. God was doing, and, and, and this, is, this is so important to understand also where God kind of clarified and defined what it was to Israel. Because here Israel was moving from captivity as slaves into the promised land where God was going to bless them and provide for them abundantly. And God said, listen here, I'm going to put this, I'm going to clarify my giving and your giving. But I, I'm, I'm doing it in the context that I'm going to bless you. But I want you to understand the reason for asking you this. Is so that your hearts will remain loyal to me. That you will acknowledge me as the source of your provision. And that you will be thankful for what I'm doing to you. Lest you think it's of your own strength and might. And so God commanded Israel to do so. So tithing became a powerful reminder, but also protection of our hearts, not to put our trust in riches, but to put our trust in God. And also we see that the tithe had a very practical function. It was not just for our heart's sake. It was very practical in its application. God also specified what it was meant to be used for. It was practical to provide for the ministry and the temple. God wanted to put our heart and our focus on his purposes and not just our own. And so God claimed the tithe of all the increase of his people as his own possession. And, and we read of that so powerfully in Malachi chapter 3. And, and if you've been in church long enough, you probably know this scripture. Yeah, in Malachi chapter 3, we, we read the following uh, a question asked, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But I say to you, in what way have you robbed me? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. Will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will be no room enough for you to receive it? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that they will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor will the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You see, the, the heart of God was always to bless, but at the same time protect us from 
making our wealth our idol and finding our trust in our success and not in him. It's God's possession, not because he needed the resources, but practically to order and focus our hearts towards him and his work. That's why I said, bring it to my storehouse, that there will be food in my house, that your heart will not grow cold towards me, that you will not focus on what you are doing and achieving, but that your heart will always remain close to me and my work. Lest we build our trust on our wealth or our money and not in God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6 verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He goes on to say in, in Matthew 22, he says, when, when he was asked this question about, about taxes, and Jesus said, so give to back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And so we are reminded constantly the purpose of giving is an expression of our love towards God, acknowledging Him as the source of everything that we have, guarding and pointing our hearts back to Him and His work and ministry and not just our own. It is the expression of love through giving and that is further seen in the Acts church where they gave over and above the tithe in acknowledging God and serving God. And so we also see in Paul in his life and his dealings with the church, how they generously gave to the need that's in Jerusalem. And what I love about this congregation, we are a giving church. I'm not saying that because we have lack. I'm saying that because we are a giving church, and I want to encourage you. I remember, remember those days when there was a xenophobia, and so many foreigners had to flee, and we took in 250 families. And this church provided over and above all the needs of that families to such an extent that it brought praise from the local government and many others. It reminds me of Paul's words that when, when he says in, in, in 2 Corinthians, I don't have it there, you can read it for yourself, 2 Corinthians 9, when he, when he speaks about the church who so generously gave that it not only provided in the needs of the saints, but it resulted in thanksgiving and prayer and worship to God. I'm reminded of the time when, when there was a lockdown and this church gave spontaneously, immediately, to such an extent that it inspired others outside of the church to also give. And through this congregation, we distributed more than two million rands worth of food. This is a giving church. And even, even in the need in Ukraine, how, how so many of you responded to giving to the needs of those who are suffering in Ukraine. This is a giving church. And not only does your giving show your love towards God and an understanding of his heart, it brings forth praises of others towards God. We thank God for his provision through us. So I want to encourage you with that. But I also want to encourage you to overcome the power of mammon and trust in wealth by growing in your faith to tithe to God. I've mentioned before that I and my wife, uh, we have been tithing long before we joined the ministry or, or were even married. It was something that we grew up with and a decision that we made in our hearts long time ago. I, I, I started over twice in my life with nothing. 
I remember the first time is when I was a young single man, unmarried. And I decided to pursue God in a full-time capacity. And I, and, and, I, and I stepped out in faith as a volunteer for the church. And I, and I remember my only provision was 300 rand from my family. Pocket money. And, and I remember my folks were very concerned when I decided to step out in faith to serve the Lord. And they wanted to give me more money. Because how can you live with 300 rand in Stellenbosch? Where are you going to get rent? Where are you going to get food? Where, where are you... They were so concerned. And, and I remember, I remember telling them, please, I do not want you to give me anything more than this 300 rand that you used to always give me. Because I want you to see God's faithfulness. And the first thing that I did every month is I took 30 rand of the 300 rand and gave it to God. As a tithe. And in that sense, it was easy because 300 rand wasn't enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough anyway for my needs. So to give away 30 of the 300 wasn't difficult. But it was amazing to see how God provided. From the first month, I had a place to stay. I mean, there's long testings. I don't have time to share, and maybe another time. But it was just amazing to see how God provided for me. I never had lack. I always had a place to stay. I had the same place to stay. I, I had the same food. <laughs> every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner. But... I was always provided for. It was amazing to see God's faithfulness. And, we, and when we, the second time um, we had to almost start over again with nothing was when we were asked to go to the UK to plant a church. I was just married for six months and, and I took my wife and two suitcases to a foreign country. And the only support we had was enough to rent a garage. That is it. And we were dependent on the charity of others to survive. And again, we didn't stop tithing. And you know the amazing thing is, um, we never feared or was overtaken by despair in fear of our provision for tomorrow. Because we acknowledge God as the source of our provision. And we were thankful for what he gave us. And he provided. And now today we are back here in Hermanus. It is like being in the promised land. Um, and we no longer have lack. We, we, we no longer have not enough. And yet I have found that sometimes it is more difficult to acknowledge God in our abundance than it is to acknowledge him in our lack. And so today we still continue to tithe with great joy. And we have seen God's hand over the past. Um, how God has provided for us in every season of life. We are not a prosperity church. We are not saying you must give to get. We're not saying if you give $100 you will get 1000 God does not work like that. We have had abundance and we have had lack. But God has always been faithful through every season. That is who God is. We give not to get something. We give to acknowledge someone. And God has always been faithful. It reminds me of what God said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 6. And, and I want to encourage you to read, if you want, the whole chapter. But I'm just going to read here from verse 6, oh, from verse 10. 
God speaking to Israel, he says, When the Lord brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob to give to you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Sometimes it is more difficult to acknowledge God in our abundance than in our lack. And I want to encourage us today in our understanding that God is a giving God. That he gave sacrificially. Uh, he, he gave everything. Um, these, these principles, these laws, these commandments, call them what you may. The expression of God's love. And, that, and how he defined it over the centuries. Um, it is not just truth. It, it, it is alive. And so I want to encourage us, wherever we are, whether we are in our lack or whether we are in our abundance, to, to acknowledge God. And to put, to put our trust in him. Because your giving is very powerful in doing that. And it will protect you from putting your trust in wealth and riches. Um, whether you are poor or wealthy. Um, and God is faithful in doing that. God is faithful. Let us pray. Father, we thank you um, for your giving. Lord, we thank you that you gave everything so that we may inherit your riches. Partake in your abundance. Lord, you see our lack. You saw our lack. Our poverty and you gave abundantly. Lord, help us to acknowledge you and put our trust in you as we do so too. To you and to others around us. And, and to extend our heart to the poor that are lacking. Lord, I pray that you will help us. Lord, guard our own hearts that whether we are in lack or in abundance. Like Paul says, I've learned to be content. I've learned the secret whether I abound or whether I lack, to find my trust in you. And, and he so powerfully says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, Lord, I ask the same for us, Lord, that we will search our own hearts. And who we put our trust in? In what do we put our trust, our hope, our faith? Help us, Lord, that as we give, Lord, we do it with the right motive. And help us, God, to to always be focused on you, on your work, on your kingdom, as we do so. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for being faithful. Lord, I want to pray specifically this morning for those who are in lack. Lord, I thank you that you have been faithful in my life. You've been faithful in millions of lives. And you've been faithful from the beginning. Lord, I pray for those who are calling out to you, Lord, that you will provide for them as you did for me thank you God that as we put our trust in you you so abundantly do and I want to pray for those who have abundance Lord that find it difficult to give the way they used to 
Lord, I pray that you will remind them of the days when they had nothing and you provided for them. Help us, Lord, to continue to be a giving church that acknowledge you in everything. And I want to give you a moment where you are before we partake of communion just to reflect on God's word and what stood out for you. Just respond to the Lord in your own words. If you're here and you do not have a communion cup, please just raise your hand right now and the ushers will come and give you one. Let's just take this moment and just let's just focus on the Lord. Just speak to Him in your own words. I'm reminded of this prophetic word this morning that everything is burning all the mountains all the strongholds all the things the world puts their trust in there's only one foundation that stands and it's you Lord help us to put our trust in you and not the mountains around us we thank you, God, that you are trustful. You are worthy of trust. You have proven it when you gave your son. And Lord, you were willing to sacrifice yourself. Lord, as we take this bread, we remember the sacrifice. We remember the cost that you paid to redeem us. Help us not to forget as we eat together. Lord, we thank you for this cup and the blood that it represents. Your blood. And it was a sacrifice not for loss but for gain. You trusted in your son to pay the price that some will respond to it. In a sense, you trusted us that we will respond to the price that you have paid. And as we drink this cup today, Lord, we respond to that sacrifice. That grace you extend to us. We do not deserve this, but yet you've made it available to us. God, we want to thank you that it represents a new covenant of freedom, of liberty, of access to you and the promise of eternal life and inheritance with you. Lord, as we drink it, we say thank you. We trust you for our salvation in Jesus' name. Let's drink together.
going to dismiss the meeting. Um, please, if you can, join us 12 o'clock at the Old Harbor. There's some coffee and refreshments. I want to specifically pray this morning as we dismiss the meeting. If, if you're in need of God's provision, um, if, you're going, if you're in lack, um, we want to pray with you. And maybe if you are struggling to give, we will also pray with you. But specifically for those who are in lack, um, as we dismiss the meeting and, and you're in such a position, we want to pray with you and trust God for His provision in your life. Thank you for coming. May God bless you. Trust to see you next week. Oh, we do have offering baskets at the door. <laughs>